Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to a new episode of Trainer Tips, the series in which the trainers give tips on challenge course operation. In this episode, you're going to hear from Jim Grout. Enjoy. Hey, this is Jim Grout. I'm the uh, director here at High Five, and I'm let me start with a with a story uh, many years ago, and I've, at this point in my career, I've trained I think thousands of of uh, adventure education practitioners, both in their soft skills and their you know their their technical skills and that sort of thing. So there's a you see a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, and it is easy to begin to see, gee, that really works, and and that does not work. An experience I had, uh, I was probably in my uh, 20s at the time, and I went up to a rock climbing site in the White Mountains, Cathedral Ledge was the name of it. I was very excited. I didn't know much about rock climbing at the time, and I thought, well, this will be great. And there was me and a friend and then the, the instructor. And as the day went on, uh, I began to realize I was not learning anything from this particular fellow. Uh, he was very good at his craft. and but what he was good at was showing what he knew, not what we were trying to learn. And it always stuck with me. You know, at the end of the day, I both me and my friend went home uh, a little bit disgruntled, disheartened. And there wasn't a moment in the day that we felt excited to learn about climbing. You know, it was a pretty big cliff, Cathedral Ledge, because the presenter was so stuck on his own ego and his presence and, and in some ways almost showing off what he knew that it was never really about us as the students trying to learn that. And, and over the years, we've all heard so much. I, you know, people, uh, you know, kids learn from teachers who love them, or we, you know, people in trainings learn from people who you know, care about them. People don't uh, know how much you. I can't think of the expression right now, but you know that you have to be there for them, uh, and people have to recognize that. And I've often felt and now this is over almost forty three years of doing this stuff that the person with a big ego, in in many ways, is is almost the most unskilled and most dangerous person that I think of as a facilitator. Uh, the fellow that we had rock climbing, he wasn't dangerous, but he certainly wasn't, uh, he wasn't nurturing. He wasn't imparting skills to us. And if anything, created an environment where you did not feel an invitation to learn. You really felt uh, an invitation to step back and say, I can't wait till this is over. Uh, years ago, I had a person, a camp person in a training here at, at high five and very seldom would I ever do this, but at the end of the five days, I ended up calling the camp director to say, you got to watch out for this person. And they were actually going to be, you know, training, not training, but they were going to be managing the site where they were, which involved a challenge course. But in the course of those five days, I never saw this person once uh, be there for the others. It was sort of all about this person, all about their, their needs, their performing, uh, their ego in many ways. And on a couple occasions, people almost did get hurt, not in, in big ways, but, you know, rope burns and things like that, because the person was always doing something that was, it was sort of blind, blind to others and called the camp director just to share that. And I, I recall at the time that it was about two weeks later, the camp director called back and said, uh, yep, they're not here anymore. Not a good fit. You think of all the things that folks do to become strong facilitators and you know, you've got all the tips and tools and things that, you know, try to make you strengthen that. But I think if I were to pare down 
that piece of it that that is the most creates the biggest efficiency it would revolve around ego and thinking of yourself and and not thinking thinking of others we use the language here a lot at high five about you know self others and collective and it's certainly the way we try to impart stuff to the young people we're working with as well and it's easy to think of oneself i mean it's a pretty natural place to be but then how do you move on beyond that and think of others and then really think of the collective good and you know, whether that be in a classroom or a training workshop, you know, learning technical skills or facilitation skills or whatever that might be, that there's always that piece that helps you move on to what others are doing and and sort of what the group is experiencing. And it seems like uh, ego is the one thing that that would continually sort of stops it dead in its tracks and makes it challenging challenging to do. Over the years too, I think it's been fascinating to watch people evolve from that uh you know it's natural to be uh take some time to get acclimated to the skills that you need to learn and uh you feel tentative about it and i think sometimes you're so wrapped up in the experience it's almost hard to remember what was i supposed to be learning um, the last podcast uh, one of the ones we had was phil phil brown was doing a, a great piece similar to this trainer tips on on just belaying and there's a lot to learn about belaying uh, but it does require that you're you're focused on what you're trying to learn, and then particularly as you're teaching it, that you're focused on people learning that skill set and not how well you know how to belay. That's great, uh, but that's not why they're there. You know, you're there for them. And I think over over time, as people uh, get more confident in their skills, they're able to uh, parlay those skills, and and so almost the way that they automate them and feel like they've really got them wired and now your whole focus is being there for others and it's if you've got the technical skills wired you're not we're concerned about safety it's just a given you have to do all those things correct but the degree to which you can forget yourself as, as a facilitator and then allow yourself to be there for others at whatever learning level they're they're at i've often uh, shared with the staff here I, I feel like i'm a chameleon at times and i do it very very purposely where I'll try to uh, almost assimilate with the group that I'm I'm working with uh, to become one of them, so to speak. Uh, and it could be a group of phys ed teachers. It could be a group of students. It could be a, a police department. It could be a business group. But in each of those settings, if I'm able to not give up myself, but if I'm able to, to really become one of them and kind of engage at their level on their terms, even in their language in some ways and not be either forcing, you know, my agenda or forcing my personality, but allowing myself to be invited in by them. I think people's learning curves become enormous because now they're, they're welcoming you into their little group of whoever they are and allowing you to feel at home with them. And then you're able to really lead them where you want to lead them. And I, I think if you start in another place and had someone share a story with me not too long ago, that they was a six hour training or something. And they were just sharing that in the first 30 minutes, they felt that they, they sort of lost the group and I, and they were asking me about it. And I said, well, tell me about that. What did you do? And the trainer was sharing at the time that the person, uh, not, not a high five person at the time, but outside and just said, well, like, I think I sort of announced my agenda and what was important to me and sort of who I was as a person and all of that. And, you know, good stuff to know. But to do that in the first 30 minutes, I think almost put that person 
um, in, in the trainer position, sort of front and center for that group. And the, I'm sure the message is a little bit, this is a little bit more about me and what is okay and acceptable to me and how we're going to work together as opposed to let the group evolve, let yourself fit in with the group. And then once a group feels like you're part of them, I, I can guarantee you can lead them places they never thought that they could go. And I feel like time and again, I've seen that with very different kinds of audiences uh, from you know, professional sports teams or a group of seventh graders or a group of executives, a, a, you know, a group of police officers or military people. And it's, it's not giving up your personality, but it's making your personality uh, be almost subservient or not, not the priority, but how can I be there for you and help you both have, you know, to grow as a person, as you're developing whatever you're doing with the group in terms of, you know, team development or whatever it might be, or personal development. And then obviously in terms of teaching skills and things like that. So um, when I go back to my rock climbing experience and, and relive it, it's uh, it kind of brings a smile to my face because it was such a good example. I think oftentimes we learn things from those things that didn't go so well. And uh, I came away from that not knowing anything very well about rock climbing went on to learn a whole lot more about that from other friends and other contacts in different ways over time. But it always stuck with me as a thing to never do that myself as a trainer. And then also to try to share that with, with, with people as I've observed them and to say, Hey, here's a thing that I think can get, uh, very, uh, unproductive if you get a little bit too stuck on yourself. So as always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. do it again thanks for listening and can you say uh thanks for listening to high five thanks for listening to high five (laughs) and then what about thanks for listening to high five's podcast can you do it okay try thanks for getting i think i'm the guy (laughs) 